in light of the message last week and, and, and the desire to be a doer of the word, and also I have this great opportunity, I'd like to say uh, to my PYT, my sunshine, my lovely wife, happy birthday today. And, uh, and uh, I believe... Uh, Pastor Brent mentioned that Rebecca was a little bit younger than him. Well, Deb, you look nine years younger than me. (laughs) And I love you. Let's lift our hearts to the Lord. Father, we just thank you so much for your presence today, for your word, for your goodness, your mercy, and your love towards us. We pray, God, for the word today. We pray that it would be burden-lifting and transforming, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That was awesome, Claude. P-Y-T, T-L-C. Amen. Um, I think it was Mark Twain that said, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog. Today's passage we're going to go over is a passage that all of us are familiar with. It's the story of David and Goliath. But I think the passage challenges us with a central question. And so I'm going to put the question out here at the beginning, and you can ruminate on it as we walk through the sermon today. And the central question of that passage is this. When there is an obstacle or a challenge or a battle in front of us, whatever that is for each one of us, and we'll talk about what that might be, do we run towards that battle or do we run from that battle? Do we find ourselves hiding from the challenges, the obstacles, the battles in our life out of fear of failure? Or do we run towards the battle line with faith in God, trust that he's with us, and hope for victory? That's the challenge, that's the question that this passage calls all of us to consider. And I want us to think about it as we read through the passage today. Now, the passage is is long, and I'm going to read the entire passage And I'm not going to put it up on the screen because it would have taken me 45 minutes to cut and paste it into the PowerPoint. Uh, But I'm going to read it to you. And as I'm reading it, just imagine the setting. The setting is in ancient Israel in a wilderness region, probably between two hills. And there's a battle line drawn. And on one side is a massive army of Philistine warriors. And the Philistines were a tribe that settled in the south of Canaan. And they were deemed to be the Israelites' greatest foe, their, their greatest enemy. So they're, they're all lined up on one side of this valley. And on the other side of this valley is the Israelite army. And it's, you know, it's a line. It's literally a line, a battle line of soldiers. Some in the front and some in the back. Over here, some in the front, some in the back. And then there's just a big valley, a big space in between them, okay? So as I read this passage, just imagine this craggy, rocky, dusty, dry wilderness and these two armies facing off, staring at one another from across the the valley. 1 Samuel 17, starting with verse 4, says, A champion named Goliath came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span, That's about nine feet, nine inches tall. About two of me. Um, Nine nine feet, uh, nine inches tall. 
He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. 5,000 shekels is about 125 pounds. So if you have one of those long barbells at the gym and you put 40 pounds on each side, you know, and you do some deadlifts with that, that's the, that's the weight of his breastplate. So uh, 600 shekels. Uh, his, his spear... Sorry, I, I lost track of it. 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. That's 15 pounds, just the point of the spear. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. He said, choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will be your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Now, this isn't the first time Goliath had made this challenge. He had been doing this for 40 days, twice a day. So imagine this battle line, these two battle lines, and this nine foot nine guy comes out twice a day at brunch, you know, and before dinner, and shouts in defiance of the other army and says, You are so afraid, you can't send anyone out to fight me. And he does this day after day after day. Imagine it wearing on the psyche of the Israelite army. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul, who was the king of the Israelites, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. This guy struck terror in their hearts. Now David was the son of Jesse. Jesse had eight sons. David was the youngest. David ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. Now, a little backstory: David was probably a teenager between maybe 15 and 17. Uh, he was a shepherd out in the outer regions uh, of Bethlehem, uh, up in the north. And his dad had told him, Jesse, his dad, said, go see your brothers. All of his brothers were in the Israelite army. Go take them some bread. Go take them some cheese. Go check on them. See how they're doing. So David was tasked with bringing them food. And so he comes and he's talking to his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath stepped out from the lines and shouted his usual defiance. You punks, you're afraid of me, was his usual defiance. And David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. David asked the men standing near him, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the Lord? David's saying, who does this guy think he is? You know, this is a 15-year-old Shepherd boy saying, who does this nine foot nine guy think he is? When David's oldest brother heard David saying this, he burned with anger and asked him, why have you come down here, David? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know you are conceited and and I know how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. His brother is saying, his brother's clearly embarrassed, right? Because here's this 15-year-old kid coming and going, why are you guys letting this guy say to you? And his brother's going, shut up, you don't know what you're talking about. Get out of here. You're just coming down to watch the show. David said, now what have I done? Can't I even speak? Uh, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. So the king said, I want to I hear from this, this boy. David said to Saul, Saul, let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. Your servant, I, will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out and fight this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. You're a kid. But David said to Saul, your servant 
has been keeping his father's sheep. I've been keeping my father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and I rescued it from the, sh- I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. David says, this isn't my first rodeo, Saul. I can take care of this because I've done this before. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put on a coat of armor and a bronze helmet on his head. And David said, I cannot go out in these. He said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of a shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. So now we've got this battle line, the nine foot nine guy with the armor and the bronze javelin and the 15 pound spearhead. And on the other side, we've got a 15 year old boy with a shepherd's staff and a slingshot. Goliath looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David replied, saying, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. (laughs) David was colorful with his speech. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, he says, and he will give all of you into our hands. So now they've both made their declarations, right? As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran, the scripture says. David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. It's an amazing story. It is an amazing story. It is sort of a permanent fixture in all of our minds. Just, you can just say David and Goliath and everybody knows what you're talking about. It's when somebody or something small overcomes something seemingly insurmountable. And there are a few themes that I want to just draw out from this passage that I think are going to be not only truthful in our lives, but also encouraging and powerful as we walk through our week. The first one is this. You will experience challenges in your life that appear insurmountable. This is a fundamental, basic tenet within the Scripture. You will face challenges. You know, the, there, there are, there's sort of a school of thought that says, once you become a Christian, everything becomes roses, unicorns, and butterflies, and rainbows, right? That's not what the Scripture's saying. The Scripture says you will face challenges. You will face 
challenges and obstacles and battles that literally seem insurmountable to you. Um, I reflect back, especially as I was thinking about our two-year anniversary, I, I've reflected back to the months preceding the launch of U City Family Church. I believed in my heart of hearts that God had called me to U City, to this church, to plant a church here. I, in my heart of hearts, I knew that that's what the culmination of my life was leading me to. And I was reading all of the books about how to launch a church, and we had gone to some seminars, and I had been talking to a ton of pastors. But I remember one day in particular, I was on the metro. I was on my way to work, driving, you know, not, not drive, I wasn't driving the metro, uh, but I was on my way to work, sitting in the metro, and I was reading a book, and it was called Launch. It was a book about church planting. And it was sort of a very organized book about here are the, you know, 40,000 million steps that you need to take before you launch a church. And I'm reading it, and I'm writing my checklist, and, and at one point, I just like dropped the book into my lap, and I just thought, I, I can't do it. I, I can't do this. I mean, I can't. There's, there's too much to do. I mean, I can't put this together. And so for like a week, I just remember mo- moping around the house and moping around work and coming home and lying awake in bed at night and just going, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And I remember that Rebecca actually at one point sort of put her hand on my hand while we were getting ready to fall asleep. And she said, yeah, you can't do this. You can't do this. This is God's deal. God has has called you to manage something that belongs to him. He has not called you to do something with your own strength, with your own power, with your own might, with your own cleverness, with your own wit, with your own charm, with your own talent. That won't cut it. That might cut it in other fields, but you can't launch and plant a life-giving church based on your own skill and talent. You can't do it. And for me, that was a release because it said, you know what? I can't do it. This thing seems insurmountable, and yet God is behind it. It's God's deal. Why do you think the writers of this scripture goes to such great lengths to describe the specifications and the dimensions of this giant? Nine feet, nine, six cubits in a span, right? 125 pound breastplate, 15, you know, pound uh, spearhead. Over and over, he repeats that the Israelites were terrified. Over and over, he repeats that this guy came and, and terrified them and terrorized them, right? The scripture writers do that because God knows that each and every single one of you face challenges that seem completely insurmountable. They, you all face, we all face challenges in our life that seem like we can't overcome these. Some of those challenges may be a, a challenge that you're carrying around from your past. A, a, maybe a failure from your past, the shadow of which seems to loom over everything you do. Some sin or some, some issue or something that you said or something that you did. And you blush with shame when you think about it because you can't seem to shake it. It just sort of haunts you. Or maybe it's something that happened to you. You've been, you were abused or someone did something to you as a child that they shouldn't have done. And when you try to move forward in life, this thing seems to grasp you and seems to stop you and kind of uh, strangle you. You can't seem to breathe and it's got a grip on you like a pit bull and you can't shake it. Maybe it's, maybe it's some disappointment from your past or some loss from your past. Someone that you loved is gone. And that haunts you. And everywhere you turn, this giant shadow of that loss looms over you. 
Maybe there's something in your present today that is a giant in front of you that you're struggling to face. Something financial. Maybe there's a, you know, you're, you're drowning in debt or you're about to lose a job or you lost a job or you need a different job and you're just struggling with that. Or you, you know, your, your relationship seems strained to the point where it's no redemption. We can't put it back together. Or, or, or maybe it's, you know, a, a family member who's struggling and you can't seem to help them. A child that you can't seem to reach out to and pull back. Or there may be a future giant that you don't want to face. An apology that you don't want to make. Or a discussion that you don't want to have. Or a diagnosis that you don't want to deal with. And it's just there. And everywhere you look, it's there. And so rather than run towards it, you cower back in the battle behind the other soldiers. Where you can't be hurt. You can't go forward, but at least you're not going backward. You're just maintaining the status quo. Whatever it is that seems insurmountable to you, whatever it is that seems to flaunt its power over you, that seems to mock you, seems to defy you when you try to move forward in life, just know that all of us face these challenges. That's what the scripture is about. All of us face challenges that seem insurmountable. But the second principle in the story is that those challenges, those obstacles, represent opportunities for your advancement in life. They represent opportunities as you move through them to get you from where you are to where God wants you to be. Jameson is learning how to swim. So we take him to the YMCA and his teacher talked to us last week. And she said, you know, Jameson is a little bit behind the other kids in swimming because he's afraid of the water. I mean, he doesn't mind to get in it if he's got like, you know, a, a, a few life belts strapped around him. And he's, you know, clinging to your neck. He's okay there. But if she stands in the water and she says, come, come jump in, Jameson, he can't do it. She said he needs to spend a little bit of time in the water to kind of acclimate himself. So this week I went over to the Y and, and Jameson and I got in the water and... You know, if I ever want Jameson to be affectionate, all I have to do is take him in the water because he's just got, he's all, you know, his legs and arms. Or I can't even breathe. But, um, so we get in the water. We've got the life belt on. They have belts now, not jackets. It's a belt that floats. I don't know how it works, but they've got a belt. And, and so I was trying to get him. I said, you know, Jameson, why don't we do this? I'm going to stand, we're going to be in the water, I'm going to stand about three feet from the edge, and I want you just to swim to the edge. Because I know he can do it. He actually, he can do it. He, he knows how to do it. Um, and as soon as I said that, you know, you can feel his body tense up. His little heart starts to race. His breathing just becomes <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? He just totally freaks out. And, um, and, I, and, I, and I started to bribe him. You know, muffin, cookie, ice cream, who knew? Um, what do you need? And... It, nothing's working. Nothing's working. Now, Lincoln, all I got to do is say muffin, and he's like, push, push, push. But, 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 but Jameson doesn't want to make the swim. And so finally, even though it breaks my heart to do it, finally I peel his arms and legs off of me and face him towards the edge, kind of give him a little nudge and say, there you go. And I'm right behind him. I'm right there. And sure enough, he just paddles right over to the edge. Now, he's mad, but he made it. 
So we come back out, we hang out, we talk, we shoot the breeze, we do other stuff. And then I say, let's do it again. And this time, he's still terror-stricken, but the grip is not quite as tight. The breathing is not quite as fast. The heartbeat is not quite as, you know, pitter-patter. And so we do it again. And then we hang out again, and then we do it again. And so by the end of the day, he's not loving jumping in the water, but he's doing it, right? Right after the why, we go to the, the, the grocery store. We're walking through the line. I'm paying for the groceries. And Jameson walks up unprompted and says to the clerk, you know what the good news is? And she says, oh, I don't know. What is the good news? I can swim to the edge of the pool by myself without my belt. And he's like, well, that's very good news. And, you know, he's walking around now with this confidence in his heart and mind because whether he liked it or not, he had to overcome this little obstacle, this little challenge in his life. Every one of the obstacles that we face in life is a doorway, is an opportunity to advance to the next stage in your life. It's not just an obstacle that is there to harm you or hurt you. It's a doorway for you to walk through and get to where God wants you to go. When David faced Goliath, this wasn't the first challenge, this wasn't the first obstacle that he had faced. He had been sitting out in the wilderness with a slingshot and a half dozen flea-bitten sheep practicing his throws. And when a lion came, he took it out. And when a bear came to take the sheep, he took it out. So when he got to facing Goliath, he said, Look, I've been through some challenges before, and they've advanced me to the point where I'm ready for this challenge. Right? And what's fascinating about this challenge is the fact that he faced this challenge transformed his life forever. Having taken out the giant, he could not go back to the wilderness to tend sheep because he had advanced into a completely different realm. This, all of these challenges reached a culmination for his life after which there was a point of no return because he went from before the battle being out in the wilderness with a, with a little herd of scrawny sheep After the battle, he's in the palace with the prince's robe, eating the king's food and being heralded as a hero and a leader in Israel. Before the battle, he's plucking his harp in the wilderness and no one there to listen. After the battle, the women of Israel are writing songs to laud his valor and his courage. Before the battle, his his marriage prospects were slim to none because of his crushing poverty and the geography. After the battle, the king's daughter, the princess, says, I really like him. And he marries the princess. All that we know about David, we would not have ever heard of the phrase King David if he hadn't come through that battle. We would not have the Psalms if he didn't rush towards that battle. We wouldn't have the Song of Solomon. We wouldn't have Ecclesiastes. We wouldn't have Solomon's temple. There's, there's so much that we wouldn't have if David had walked back and hid behind the battle lines. But see, this moment in his life, this one moment where he was faced with his challenge, terrifying, terrorizing, huge, massive obstacle, the fact that he faced it and walked towards it and ran towards it 
transformed his life. He would not have had the honor of being a part of the lineage of another savior that came from Bethlehem a thousand years later. Because it was this moment in his life, this challenge was actually a door towards his advancement in life, to where, from where God wanted him. From where he was to where God wanted him. And I want to encourage you with that today too. Whatever these obstacles are, these are doorways for you. These are opportunities for you. You've got to see them as that. Run towards them. Don't run from them. Amen? And then the third point is that the challenge in your life is not yours to face alone. They belong to God and will ultimately bring glory to him. These challenges that we face, they're not ours. We think of them as solely ours, but they're not ours. And so when we face them, we sometimes think, well, look, you know, I'm not smart enough. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too poor. I'm, 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 not, I'm not good enough. Whatever it is that we think in our mind, whatever that voice is that rises up in our voice and challenges us and tells us that we're, we can't do it, Right? The good news is, it's not about you. It's not about how good you are. It's not about how strong you are. It's not about how talented you are. It's not about how smart you are. It's not about you at all. It's about God using you. God uses whom he chooses. He makes the point in this story of saying, there's a mighty, mighty champion, and then there's a little kid with some stones and a stick. It's not about you you know the scripture over and over reminds us how small david is in verse 14 it says david was jesse's youngest son it makes a point of saying that verse 28 says david's brother says to go back and tend your little flock right in verse 33 saul says you can't fight him you're just a boy in verse 42 goliath looks at him sees that he's just a boy and and mocks him and says am i a dog that you come at me with sticks right But David's response to that, all of that criticism about who he is, he doesn't say, well, you know what, I'm tough, I'm strong, I'm brave. He doesn't even comment on himself. He says, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God of the armies of Israel. All those who are gathered here will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. This is like we talked about Moses a few weeks ago. It's not, it's not when you're facing a challenge, it's not about, look, well, you know what? I can do it. It's, I can tough it out. I can make it happen. No, it has nothing to do with you. It's God. God can do it, and God can use you. And the last little sort of sub-point that I want to make with this is that God wants you to use the tools that he has given you. I, I love the little sort of side note in this story where David tells Saul, I can do this. And Saul finally relents and says, okay, you can do it. Here's my helmet. Here's my breastplate. Here's my sword. Here's my javelin. Here's my shield. And you get this image of a 15-year-old walking around in a grown man's clothes, right? And David says, you know what? This isn't me. I can't do it. I can't do it like this because this is me trying to be you. This is me trying to do it your way. But I'm just a guy who's been sitting out in the wilderness flicking rocks, you know, at at, at tree trunks. And I know how to do that. And that's who I am. 
and that's the way I'm going to do it. And so that's what David does. He steps out and does it the way that God has called him to do it. I just want to encourage you with that too. Whatever it is that you have, whatever skills it is that you have, whatever particular gift that you have, that's what God wants to use. Don't try to be like someone else. Don't try to compare yourself to anyone else and try to be like them and fight the battle their way. God's calling you to fight the battle your way with the gifts that he's given you and the, and the, and the techniques that he's given you. And let's close with this. This is, this is Pentecost Sunday. This is the day where churches all around the world uh, celebrate the coming of the, of the Holy Spirit. Uh, after Jesus, when Jesus was with his disciples and after he was killed and resurrected, he got together with them and he said, I'm going to leave you now, but I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to send someone, the Holy Spirit. And he's going to come and he's going to bring you comfort and he's going to remind you of me and he's going to give you strength and he's going to be with you wherever you go. And I want to just say to you today that that is where we're at. The Holy Spirit is available to us. He's with us. And so when you are feeling like you're all alone, just reach out to God. His Spirit is right here. His Spirit is right with you, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through. His Spirit is with you. That's the promise that Jesus left his followers when he ascended into heaven, is that I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you. And so I just want to encourage you today as you're going out there, fighting those battles, fighting those, if you will, giants in your life, know that God is right there with you. His spirit is right there with you. If you're struggling, just stop and call on him. Lord, just help me. Just help me today. I need your strength. That's all. It's very simple. Just commune with him because he's right there beside you. And he's right there inside of you. And so he's yours today. So I want to just say, run to your battle. Run to your battle. Don't avoid it. Don't hide from it. Don't cower from it. Because it will remain there as long as you avoid it. Go take it out. Take that battle out by the power and the might of God Almighty. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this story. This is a very familiar story. But God, there's so much richness in there. There's so much depth to the story. There's so much power for our lives. We ask, God, that as we go through this day, you remind us who we are in you. We ask that you remind us that we, God, are, are like David. We're not able to, to overcome these challenges on our own. But we have you. That, and, and you've promised to be with us. And God, we just ask that you'll recall that to our hearts through your spirit, through your Holy Spirit. Recall it to our hearts, recall it to our minds, so that when we are walking out today and walking out this week and walking through the challenges and the obstacles and the difficulties in life, you'll be there. And we'll just call on you. And we'll just say, Lord, be with us. And we'll know you're with us. Give us strength today. We praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.